This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. The Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. Chaos at our southern border. Now that the Title 42 health policy blocking migrants has officially expired and our already wide open border with Mexico will be further overwhelmed and overrun by a deluge of migrants coming from more than 100 countries. And joining us now to discuss this and more is Ron Vitello. He is the former chief of Border Patrol. He's also retired acting director of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Great to have you here, Ron. Thanks for inviting me, Rita. Ron, what can we expect now that Title 42 has been lifted? Well, it's unfortunate. Uh, We knew in the government, the government knew before the institution of Title 42 as a tool for the front line at CDP, the Border Patrol and the department, that it was always dependent on the conditions of the pandemic. And so not having it now was something that should have been prepared for, that was well known. It had been challenged in the courts. This administration itself was wanting to tear it down in February of this year. And so what happens now is the Border Patrol no longer has the ability to expel people back home or back into Mexico much more quickly. Now they're forced to deal with the traditional immigration enforcement framework. And so people are taken into custody and processed under the traditional immigration law, Title VIII, uh, which allows people to claim asylum, which allows them to request a hearing with an immigration judge. And expelling somebody somebody under Title 42 for the Border Patrol could be done easily within an hour, depending on logistics and travel and such, uh, well within an hour. Now, under the Title VIII process, Uh, much more lengthy paperwork, um, and it takes almost three hours to do that other process. And and they're not going to be expelled after, right? The disposition will depend on a case-by-case basis. Some people will be held in detention. Some people will be released after a brief stay with CBP. uh, And some people will be referred to federal prosecution. The reason we're having this problem on our southwest border now uh, has less to do with Title 42 than the other policies of this administration. And that's that's the real issue here. Title 42 was important. It was a tool for the Border Patrol. But as it relates to the traffic that we're seeing at our border every day, it was only a marginal benefit to be able to use Title 42 versus what's going to happen now that it's lifted. What do you think of the Biden's policies, uh, the administration's policies, even prior to this moment? Well, they, they've been terrible at enforcement at the border. Uh, surges like the one that we are in now, and the one we're in now is the biggest we've ever seen. Uh, CBP reported nearly 11,000 apprehensions, apprehensions at the, 
the day before yesterday in the 24-hour period. We've never seen a number like that on our southwest border. But every time that there's been a issue made of the border, when the press calls out what everyone knows is a crisis or a disaster or worse, this administration and the secretary have refused to call it as it is. They've refused to act like it's a problem. And even worse, when they have an opportunity to talk about immigration enforcement, about the, the integrity in the system, they step back from the rule of law. The secretary on a couple of occasions in public has told the entire world that if you are in the country illegally, then you will not be a target for ICE. Now, that may be true logistically. That may be true practically, that, that uh, everybody that's here illegally could not be arrested and removed. That, 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 that may be true in the sense of the physics and the math. But why would you say that as the lead law enforcement officer for border security in the United States? So their, their policies have been terrible. They had tools that were working when they took over. They ripped down those tools, knowing full well what the results would be, yet they did it anyway. How bad could it get now? Well, when you're approaching 11,000 people every 24 hours, um, that's bad. I mean, the average daily has been around, you know, between six and 8,000. It's, it's crept up over the last two plus years of this administration. Um, but that number, like 12,000, 11,000, that's, that's almost double what they've seen so far this year. We know there are tens of thousands of people in Mexico who, who feared being expelled, who were going to wait, who waited for this moment when Title 42 was lifted. And so it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad for quite a while because that pent up group of people who weren't willing to risk an expulsion are now that that threat does not exist. You know, uh, what happens at the border and the enforcement regime, you know, whether the laws work the way they're supposed to and how they're operationalized, it's about incentives. And so if many people come to the border and are never arrested, many people come to the border and are arrested, but then released by authorities for a future date immigration hearing, um, that's success as it relates to someone who's coming here for a better life that's in dire economic straits in the country that they're coming from. They get released into this economy and they've made it. And that that causes them to call home and send for their relatives and tell their friends and the people that, that they know overseas that now is the time to come, that they, they made it through the enforcement regime or they were apprehended by the force, enforcement regime and released anyway. That's a very powerful incentive. And that incentive has existed from day one of this administration. This administration sent a signal across the globe. One of the first things this president did, he wanted to put a, a, a 30 or 60 day moratorium on detention and removal in the United States. That means if you got arrested, you wouldn't be held. If you were ordered by a judge to be removed, we wouldn't put you on an airplane. That's, that's a ridiculous scenario. After someone has had a due process opportunity in front of an immigration judge, ordered removed, and our own government is not going to put them on the airplane to send them home. It, it, it's crazy. That's the signal that they sent out, plus taking down the migrant protection protocols, stop building the wall, and tell everybody all at the same time that, that that's what's going to happen on our southwest border. And so what we see today, now that Title 42 is gone, is the fruit of these terrible decisions um, that are not protective of the border. Uh, they're not helping secure the homeland. And the, really the only people that are benefiting here are the cartels because they control the real estate on the south side of the border. They decide who comes and goes across that line. 
and uh, it's a real burden for border communities. Uh, the front line at DHS and their families have been put through quite a bit uh, in the last couple of years, what with COVID, and now a president who really does not have their back, who has made policy choices that have made their work very, very difficult. Um, and and those are choices. You know, it doesn't have to be like this. Uh, they had tools in their hands when they took over. Uh, they just chose not to use them and, and rip down the ones that were working. How different is it from the Biden administration uh, to the prior, of course, by President Trump? You cited the border wall, obviously, remain in Mexico. It's like night and day, isn't it? It's very, very different. Yes. You know, I, I, I worked in in the top of the, uh, the administration when I was the acting director at ICE and when I acted as the deputy at CBP and I was chief of the Border Patrol. I interacted with President Trump a number of times. He was very enthusiastic about protecting America, our way of life, and was very enthusiastic about making sure the border was a safe and secure place. Um, I think he has, you know, truth be told, I think he has very liberal views about legal immigration, but he knows and he ran on the idea that America wants a secure border. And um, he, he spent a lot of time and energy making sure the people around him, the people who served in the administration, and those of us who served on the front line knew that he was enthusiastic about it and wanted to know what kind of tools would help us do that. Things like the wall, technology, additional agents, and a system that has integrity, a system that says, these are the laws on the books. We might not like them. We might not like how they're operationalized, but they're there. They're there to protect us. And uh, he wanted it done. He was very enthusiastic. This administration, on the other hand, you know, like I said, they sent a signal across the globe that they're really not interested in securing the border. and. They understand my opinion. They understand the incentives and the deterrence factors as the as it relates to the way the law is operationalized. And they're choosing chaos. They're choosing chaos for what are probably quite cynical reasons. Um, and we're all going to pay the price, not just now with this wave of humanity that's coming across our border and finding its way to Chicago and New York and some of the other cities, uh, but over time. You know, we are there's, there's millions of people who are now in the United States. Uh, in an illegal status. Um, they don't understand the culture. Many of them don't speak the language. They're going to settle in some of the worst neighborhoods in this country. And some of them are going to find themselves their way into criminal activity. Some of them are, are going to get recruited by the same gangs that they fled home to get away from. Um, and so they're not going to have a better life like they thought they might, because they're going to be in pretty dire straits inside of the United States. You know, you bring up some great points, Ron, because obviously you're right. Uh, and some of them fall prey to forced labor. They fall prey to sex trafficking, human trafficking. Of course, they, they're being brought over by the cartels. Uh, but often uh, they have to sort of pay a debt when they get here or they end up in the wrong communities. Um, you're right. How is that fair? The other thing that was astounding to me, Ron, there's a report out there, and I know you know this better than I certainly do, uh, that there are 85,000 children that are unaccounted for uh, by this administration. I mean, that is an amazing number of unaccompanied, um, you know, children who basically came across the border that they have no record of. It breaks my heart to think of what might be happening to them in our country. Yeah, it's incredible. The, the New York Times of all outlets published a, a, a large story on what happens to some of these children who come to the United States without their parents. They're sent away. They're sent away from home separated from their families, they're sent to the United States uh, on, with the notion that they're going to have a better life here. 
And what the New York Times reporting said was that, you know, they, they were essentially indentured labor at, at factories working the midnight shift. Young people, 14, 13, you know, 12 years old. And then and that's, you know, that's bad enough. But as you said, with this kind of volume coming to the border every day, that kind of volume entering the HHS shelters who are designed to place these kids in in care, you know, with family in the United States, you know, the standards have been reduced. And so some people have some of these young people have been reduced or, or to have been released to people in the United States that are abusing them in every way possible. And so, again, you know, if they left home with the notion that America was going to be better for them, uh, it didn't turn out that way for lots of them. And for 85,000 people who are on the rolls, who are placed by our government with guardians, maybe their family in the United States, for us not to know anything about where they are, it just shows you the chaos that ensues when our border looks the way it does today. Absolutely. And there are also reports um, of also mass releases, uh, because as you know all too well, so many of these shelters are being completely overrun. Some of the facilities, um, you know, you hear the phrase sort of there's no more room in this city uh, where they're sending them to other cities. What does it mean when, according to reports, um, they're basically planning now the Title 42 has been lifted to do mass releases of individuals? I mean, that's like no record, nothing, and just good luck. Yeah, I mean, the fact we know that a lot of that's been happening almost already, but now to hear that it's going to be happening basically almost as a policy decision because of the volume of people coming in now, that's, that is really dangerous for this country. Yeah, the system is overwhelmed. And, you know, there were times in, in previous, you know, parts of, of, of surges and other surges where, where people are, were released with a notice to report, which is, which is not necessarily a legally binding document. It doesn't set them up for an immigration hearing. It doesn't set them up to, you know, to be in the system and reporting. Uh, and so now CBP, we saw in, in the local and the national reporting um, that, that, that they're going to do releases because of the volume concerns that they have. The good news here is that you have a very dedicated workforce on the front line. And so when there is an opportunity to do fingerprint checks and backgrounds and vet people before they're released, they're going to do that to the extent that it is possible. But with the kind of volume that we're seeing, um, there's a risk. And going back to the earlier point, when, when there's so many people that need attention from those frontline officers, they're not able to concentrate on the drug smuggling. They're not able to concentrate on people who are being trafficked, maybe right in front of them. It's because there's so much volume of activity and there's so little resource as it relates to floor space and computer terminals and agents themselves to do these interviews and these vetting. It puts us all at risk. And uh, it's unfortunate that this workforce has to put up with this feckless leadership, these feckless policies. Um, through no fault of theirs, right? These are dedicated men and women who want to protect us. They have a bias for action. They want to be out there seizing drugs that are being smuggled. They want to be out there saving people. They want to be out there, you know, uncovering schemes of human trafficking. But there's so much work that needs to be done as it relates to the volume that they're facing. There's not enough of them out there doing what we want them to do, what they prefer to do. 
uh, yeah. protecting us. Absolutely. They want to be out there uh, doing the best they can and securing the homeland. Uh, what do you make also, Ron, of the fact that the administration said, OK, well, we're going to send, you know, uh, 1,500 military members down to help. And then it's basically for transportation and processing, not for enforcement. And it seems like Governor Abbott of Texas is doing more. He sent at least some military members there, the National Guard. They've put up some wire. They've at least stood guard uh, on the other side, on the American side. Uh, he seems like he's done more than the Biden administration in terms of securing the area. 100 percent. I, I can't imagine what the border in Texas would look like, especially in a place where I work, like in Rio Grande Valley. If the Texas DPS, the Texas Guard, and the governor's commitment to border security, if they weren't standing shoulder to shoulder with my former colleagues, I can't imagine what the border would look like. Texas has done more. They spent billions on this problem, and it really is not that re- their responsibility. So I commend the governor for doing what they've done, including the national, the, the Texas Guard deployments. The 1,500 that the, that the Biden administration is allowing DOD to send for DHS, you know, it will be additive. Those, again, are hardworking men and women patriotic Americans who signed up to protect this country. And so when they go down and they do some of the logistics and the behind the scenes work uh, at the border, um, that will be additive to the mission. Um, but it certainly isn't enough. And, and there, there are lots of rules that govern law that governs what soldiers can do in the confines of the United States as directed by, by the Department of Defense and the president. So uh, we've, you know, I've been the benefit of their hard work over, you know, several deployments uh, while I was in government, we asked DOD to help us. It, it, it happens often. This is another iteration of this. Um, it is ironic that you know they, they don't want to call it a crisis. They say there's nothing to see here. We have the the borders controlled, but yet we need 1,500 troops to help the front line. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that we have to be there. Um, you know, like I said, it's 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 a it's marginally going to be helpful. Um, but it's way past time for this administration to do the right thing. And, and apparently they're unwilling to. You know, we've seen obviously all these images of like people sleeping on the streets in El Paso, um, many places around the country, uh, migrants, because the shelters and other locations are already full. They're overrun. What could America look like um, potentially in a few weeks, a few months? Not in a good space, right? Because. Like we talked about earlier, these these people are not from here. They don't understand our customs and our culture. It's going to take them a while to catch up. And these cities and towns, I mean, we can all now agree that having large numbers of people come into the country illegally is a burden. It's a burden for a number of reasons. Practically, logistically, the the threat of criminal activity, the, the strain on public health, the strain on educational resources. Um, you know, we have lots of people in the United States who need help. And some of them are on the streets, adding to, you know, the society and the culture, large numbers of people, you know, are, who are going to have trouble finding employment in some of these places. It's it's unfortunate. We deserve better in 2023 uh, in, in the most prosperous nation in America, the most powerful nation in the world. We deserve better than these kinds of policies emanating from this White House. 
how much is this a boon for the cartels? You brought up before, Ron, uh, that they are unfortunately um, raking in the cash because they get X amount per person that they bring over. They're bringing over fentanyl, which you talked about. As we know, they've that's claimed nearly 100,000 American lives every year. Um, how much are they uh, enjoying this moment, sadly? Well, th- their favorite president in the world is Joe Biden. I mean, he has put in place policies that give them operational advantage across the entire Southwest border. You know, there are too many Border Patrol agents who are not out there protecting and patrolling the border, which allows the cartels to smuggle in between the ports of entry at will. And the resources at CBP are are strained for the same reasons. And so these cartels have the advantage. And when you have millions and millions of people in the pipeline, these cartels are making tens and Tens of millions of dollars a week, making sure that that, you know, all smuggling, all, you know, illegal entry across the southwest border is controlled by these cartels and organized crime. And so this is a boon to them because they have an endless supply of people who are in the pipeline wanting to come in the United States. And they're happy to do it for a fee. And let's face it, these are not people that care about human life. They treat these poor people as a commodity, they leave them in the desert when they're when they, when they can't keep up with the group. Uh, they tell them they're going on a short journey that they only they you know they only need the water that they can carry. And three days later, you know the the, the consequences of those mistakes and and that journey catches up with them. And, and so yeah, these cartels are being emboldened by this administration, while our own economy, you know, is is dwindling. It, 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 you know, we're all hurting because of the inflation and some of the policies around energy. And what this president cares about, what he says he cares about, um, we're all suffering under that while these cartels are are being emboldened and enriched. It is really uh, heartbreaking and just devastating to hear. Well, everybody, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast. What powerful information. And Ron Vitello, thank you, first of all, for all you do uh, to keep our country safe, uh, to care about everybody and also care about the migrants who are coming here trying to get a better life, making sure uh, that they stay safe. And also, first and foremost, that our country stays safe. And we so appreciate you being here on the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm happy to do it. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.